Being handicapped or disabled can feel like you're moving forward in reverse. I'm your host, Scott Martin. Join me and my new friends from this underrepresented community as we talk about disrupting the status quo and creating change within the world and within ourselves. Hey, life's a road trip. Hop in. Let's turn on some tunes and go. With me for this road trip is Isaac Harvey. In researching Isaac, I came across words to describe him such as amazing, superhuman, and legend. Born and raised in East East London with a disability uh, called limb pelvic hypoplasia, which is short in short means no arms and short legs. Isaac started his vlogging journey by sharing a clip of himself playing PlayStation games with his feet. Isaac now is a thriving YouTube channel, which has earned him recognition as one of the best filmmakers in London. Hi, Isaac. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. How does it feel to be described by others as amazing, superhuman, and legend? Um, it's it's something I never thought I would be called. Um, <laughs> and obviously, I feel a bit funny when I get self-praise or things that I do because I think it's just the right thing to do. But yeah. um, if it means I'm a legend and it showcases what people with disabilities can do, then that can only be a good thing. Yep. That's one thing I'm I'm getting from doing my own show is reading about people like you. I, I had come to a point where I would uh, openly describe the disability community as quiet, but in reading more on you and the more guests that I have on, I'm changing my mind on it. There are a few people on the tip of the spear that's that's moving forward you're one of them and i'm, I'm really happy to have you on the show man no oh, thanks uh, for having me i i read that you're a west ham supporter is that right no i don't watch football no where did i read that then somebody somebody <laughs> came across you as a west ham supporter there goes the show let's say goodbye <laughs> yeah, <see ya. laughs> i was all ready to say rah, rah, west ham they're not going to be uh uh, relegated. So I was going to, I was going to try to bring happy praise to West Ham for you, but okay. Well, I, I live near uh, the stadium. If that helps. That's where it came from there. Okay. Okay. So someone else that I read to learn, learn about you must've described you as a West Ham supporter. Okay. So you must be crazy, man. Uh, getting out there sometimes before and after matches. Well, maybe not so much after the matches cause they haven't been doing so well. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> Originally, I, I wanted to open with a YouTube video, but um, but something you recently posted struck me as an opening point for discussion. This, this I think it was just last week. And it, and it reads, I am mainly seeing what is done with our own disability community, which again is great. But is that really helping? It goes back to what Sandra said to me. And this is describing you talking about another person. Yeah. We are preaching to the choir using the same hymn sheet. Now, this really had me then. Hmm. We have a basic understanding of preaching to the choir using, I'm sorry. We have a basic understanding of each other that the world was not built for people with disabilities. So should we be telling those who can make the difference? We should be highlighting and promoting those who are doing well in this space to inspire others to see the benefit of getting it right. And as always doing it as a collective rather than it being a them versus us situation. And I think that goes back to what you were, you were talking about, about being described as super, superhuman and stuff about if, if you're being described as that, then you're going to use that to benefit others. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the big things that really summarizes all of the stuff that I've been reading from you. It's very similar. Um, what can you tell me about, what you've learned over the past few years as, as your presence has become more of an open door and you are on the tip of the spear. How is that for you? Yeah. I mean, you know, when it comes to my advocacy stuff, it only, I would say, you know, being born with a disability, I've always been an advocate for disability, but when it comes to speaking out and working with others and collaborating 
that's only been through recent years. Um, and as you mentioned about LinkedIn, that was the place where that all began. Because I, I'd known about LinkedIn for ages and loads of people saying, you really need to join LinkedIn. You really need to join. join. And I always saw, and it was always advertised to me as the professional Facebook. Mm-hmm. So I was like, why do I need to join another Facebook, especially if it's professional? Um, but I, so I kept on ignoring it, kept doing what I was doing. And then it just kept on and on. And friends just kept saying, you know, you've got to join. So I was like, okay, I'm going to join, but only to talk about um, wheels and wheelchairs. So for those who don't know, that's um, roller skaters pushing wheelchair users. And we do that around London. And we've done it uh, well. It's been the organization's been around for ten years, but I've been involved for the past uh, over three years. Um, and I thought, okay, let me go, go on LinkedIn and use it as an opportunity to maybe get sponsors, get uh, more um, disability people involved. Okay. Um, just get it to like a professional reach. Um, and I remember doing my first post. Uh, it's quite funny. It was like it starts off saying um hi linkedin you know i'm i'm new here i don't really know what's going on but um i'm here and that post alone got like the most engagement i've had compared to most uh, platforms that i've only just begun um i think it got like 68 reactions engagements um and then yeah i continued talking about wheels and wheelchairs and then it was in july where I discovered it was the month of Disability Pride Month. Um, and that was mm. like celebrating and highlighting disability. And I'd, I'd never heard of the month before, but I thought, okay, well, I'm going to write a post about it. Um, I had a picture of me laying on my bed here uh, while sitting up. And um, I was like, you know, Disability Pride Month is a great month. And I, I can't remember exactly what I wrote, but I was saying all the things. And that was the first time it kind of went viral my first viral post on any platform and that was when I really connected with a lot of other disability advocates got to see what other people are doing um and you know it's been a really learning experience for me I felt that I didn't know much about disability until I joined LinkedIn um and that's how I've been able to really see it as a collective because everyone's doing their part and we've got to do it together um, but yes, it's, you know, I'm here to educate, but also learn from others. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what's been happening, uh, to me as I get more in, in LinkedIn, I don't really look at Twitter and Twitter and Facebook much anymore. It's LinkedIn. It's, it's mm. changed into something else. Now I'd, I'd like the listeners to pause the show for a moment and go to the life's a road trip. And on there, you're going to find a YouTube video, uh, with and and about Isaac it, it's titled now. I'm using my hours to help someone else. It's from 2017, but it's on the Life's a Road Trip website. So we'll take a moment, pause for for folks to go watch that and then come back. Okay. So in the video, your mother states that some mornings you wake with a lot of pain, but you keep going. And she says, you really don't have a choice, have you? It's a state of mind. Now, when I watched that, it made me pause and I would, I would certainly expect other people to be pausing. But it made me pause for another reason, and I'll get political here about healthcare in the United States. I know that you guys in Britain have more of a broad range healthcare system. Mm. How has that been benefiting you? Have you had to try to look look in the nooks and crannies to try to get some healthcare benefits, or is it all laid out on the table for you? Um, regarding pain pain and also with your condition on getting help from others i mean that uh that's probably not cheap well so we have the nhs which is a free healthcare service um and you know i've i've had it pretty good um where i've had the support you know i've got scoliosis in my back so that was seen very early on so i was able to have it operated on so i didn't have too much of a curvature of my spine um when it comes to my wheelchairs i i do get a new wheelchair um but it's the the one problem with even though i may have got them it is still a long waiting list um Mm. 
sometimes they don't get right the first time so you have to keep going back um and it when it comes to like social workers beyond the healthcare and getting support where i should be having like a personal assistant to help me with my day-to-day life that's really difficult when you get the wrong person um and here we have roaming people so we don't have you before we used to have one person who knew all your needs and then they would kind of uh, be your advocate but now it's whoever's on that day the duty social worker so you have to revisit the whole story again and explain it then you've got to trust them to give them a good case to why you need this and this and you know that's a bit of a ongoing battle um and i've heard some real terrible stories from people within the community who you know they weren't given the right medication and um, someone's had to keep going back to hospital because they know something's not right, but the doctor says otherwise. And yeah, it's just a bit all over the place. Like it's not perfect for everybody. Um, Even myself, you know, I might've had it good, but it's not like perfect. Perfect. I've got one complaint from that video for you though, Isaac. There's a scene when you're spinning around in your wheelchair and then the producer of the video is spinning the video itself. Okay, so yes. It's like, oh my God, I'm getting, no, I'm just kidding, man. It, it's really good. There's something I noticed though. Yeah. That, you know, you're being helped by your mother and someone else, but something happens to your aura. To me, I, I feel like I can read people's aura at times and I'm not trying to get spiritual, but when you are in the wheelchair, it seems that there's, a difference between there's a definite line between lack of independence and being independent and it seems that when you're in the wheelchair and you're able to utilize it yourself without need from others that's your independence and and your whole aura changes it it brightens up that's just the feel and the sense i get from it is tell me about independence because i did read something about you stated that uh, motorized wheelchairs just blatantly gives you independence Can you talk about how, how you feel when you're in that yeah, I mean, when it comes to my wheelchair, I do feel a lot freer um, because I, I also have a manual chair um, that someone has to push. And I don't know, it just makes me feel, I don't know, I have to, I'm dependent on someone to help me um, get from A to B. I have to tell them, oh, I need to go over here. Whereas in my electric chair, I have the freedom to do it and go wherever I like. So yeah, there there is that sense of independence, but then... The, the independent stops when, for example, I can't go to the bathroom myself. Mm-hmm. I always need someone. So I may be able to travel into London myself, but I have to limit my time because if, I, if I'm out for too long and I don't have anyone with me, I'm not able to eat. I'm not able to go to the toilet. Mm-hmm. So, you okay. know, I have to time that correctly. Um, also we have a thing transport for London staff who help from different uh, stations. Uh, I have to rely on them to get me with the lifts and things. So again, I I lose that independence of being able to really travel independently. Um, Lifts in buildings. I can't press that myself. Can't get through some doors because even though they may be automatic, I still got pressed the button. Um, So yeah, it does have that real, yeah, it's independent, but it's not independent, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. Totally get it. I was dependent on people for over a month after uh, I had the amputations on it. Yeah, I totally understand it. Mm. In that video, you also state when you're helping some kids and, and you state that you're you're helping them build confidence as you built confidence in yourself as a child. I look at that as I, I applaud it because you're paying forward, paying it forward because mm. you're these things that you've learned I think you're noticing it in them. So maybe they don't have to go through as many struggles as you had. And again, I applaud that. I think that's fantastic. So um, go ahead. Yeah. I was, but it's it's funny because um, many years ago, I, I didn't want to be an advocate, actually. I, I didn't want to talk about my disability, um, especially when it came to video. So you know, as you mentioned, I was I was a vlogger for a couple of years, and I even though I did like supporting people and creating videos, I did it because you know I wanted to show people like what, the fun things that I get to do, and I never really spoke about disability openly. Um, mm-hmm. And again, thanks to friends and family, they kept saying, you know, 
you could really make a difference if you spoke about disability. And I thought, you know, why would I do that when I just love creating videos? And they said, oh, you could really make an impact on people's lives and change people's perspectives and help a lot of people. And I I kept on um, continuing what I'm doing. And then I was given an opportunity to do a talk up up north about overcoming obstacles. So I said, okay, I'll do that. And I spoke about um, the challenges I have I face, but then there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And um, at the end of the talk, I, and it just stuck with me forever, a woman came up to me. She gets like severe pains. And she said, you know, you've really changed my perspective listening to you. And, you know, I always complain about my pains, but now I don't, I don't see why I should have a reason to complain. And that was the first time I'd heard it from not a friend or family member and the impact I was making. And that's mm-hmm. when I started to be more active and speaking on it in my videos and beyond that. Very cool. And that mm-hmm. takes you places. I, uh, I was watching your posts. You were recently in the, in the United States. Tell us about the trip. Yeah. So, um, went to Colorado, um, with a group of, mainly those who had uh, accidents and became disabled um, wheelchair users. And yeah, we went to uh, Winter Park and did a um, skiing trip, a skiing holiday for 10 days. I think there was one shot and a comment about basically how (laughs) this is going to be a heck of a trip. You did go downhill, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Uh, so I've I've done I've done skiing before, but this one was really special because, um, so the story was so I I went and usually the day after we've arrived, they usually do the fitting and get everyone into the right skis and things like that because usually I'd sit in a sit ski and someone would control it. So I was getting ready to do that and they said, oh well, actually your your guy's not here today. Um, he's going to be here tomorrow. And I thought, oh, well, you know, usually they can fit me and I have someone different every day because they have volunteers there. Okay. And um, I was like, okay, they didn't really say much. So we went exploring, got familiarized because this was our second time back to Colorado. And the next day came and the guy was there and he said, oh, you know, we've got a sit ski for you and you'll be able to control it using your feet. Very I thought, cool. oh, that's cool. So I got to use a foot control down the mountains at 12,000 wow. feet. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, man. That's going to stay with you forever. Oh, that must will. have been quite the trip. Yeah. Um, recently, I also read about you being on uh, at Nadex. First of all, what's Nadex? And if you could talk about your time there. Yeah, so Nadex is uh, basically a convention which showcases new accessibility equipment for people with disabilities mainly physical disabilities okay and did you attend it or did you speak at it yeah i was so i've I've always heard of nadex um and i i never really had a reason to go um and i I Mm. always wanted to go but um someone reached out to me and said would you like to become a speaker on the main stage? So I ended cool. up becoming a speaker. Yeah. And you mentioned in a post about, you know, it, it talked about um, uh, how, again, you never intended for any of this stuff to happen. It's just strange how life can carry you in a direction without you even knowing it. Mm-hmm. And then once you get there, now you're able to look at it and you're past it, but you're still building from it. It's just, wild it, it honestly everything that i get up to is just like a surreal moment it's like yeah how did this happen <laughs> <laughs> i mean getting to talk to you today is through social media like who would yeah. have guessed this would happen you know yeah i mean it's it's just we take opportunities when we see them but we also have to be responsible for and and aggressive enough to seek opportunities and then grasp it. And that's what we're both doing. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about wheels and wheelchairs. You're the president of that. And, uh, and just so the listeners know, look for the link to that on the life's a road trip website. So it's in there. So go ahead, Isaac, tell us about how you got into it. Uh, what, what wheels and wheelchairs is all about. Yeah. So just a brief history of it. 
um, so that on in the 2012, um, a group of roller skaters and wheelchair users who had been doing uh, that activity in Paris for the past for their for 10 years for their 10th anniversary they challenged themselves to skate from Paris all the way to London mm. with skaters pushing wheelchairs so they knew how to get to the end of France but they needed support on getting to London uh, to get to the stadium so they contacted uh, London skaters because there's a huge London skate scene here and they contacted them and they said, oh, look, we want to bring some wheelchair users on skates. And they thought wheelchair users on being pushed by skaters. They just thought it was such a random uh, uh, thing to think about and, and do. But It's a so- logical combination when you think about it. <laughs> well, yeah, actually. Yeah. Why not? It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, well, absolutely. To them, the Paris people. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Parisians, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they said, "Okay, sure, we'll do. We'll help you out with the route." Um, so eventually, cool. they got the route together, and they did the. It took them about, I think, seven days to do the whole thing. Uh, they arrived here, and all the London skaters saw their arrival and were like, "Wow, we really need to do something here." And mm. in that same year, that's how Wheels and Wheelchairs was born. And they started taking people out from the hospice. So um, they came out for the first few years. And then that went on for many years. And then I first heard about it at the end of 2018. So here we have a park called um, Hyde Park. And... Every winter, they have a thing called Winter Wonderland. So it's like uh, the German markets, um, Christmas markets. And um, I went with a friend and we decided to go on the ice rink. And I went in my electric wheelchair on the ice rink, going around, having fun. And one of the ice marshals comes up to me and says to me, oh, no, we started talking and he says, oh, you know, would you be interested in wheelchair roller skating? And, you know... At this time, I'd done a skydive, I'd done the skiing and things. So I, I hang on, hang on. You said you did a skydive. I've done a skydive. Yes. No shit. Yeah, okay. Twenty fifteen. Okay, man. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just l- try to slip that one by. Yeah. yeah Dude, you jumped f- up from a plane. You went down from a plane. Yeah, fourteen thousand feet. Holy. In, in okay. Ohio. And yeah. you got some balls. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I, learned, I started knowing about the skating, um, and I was sent some videos. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I'd love to get involved. So I ended up contacting them. And at the time, I so I emailed the president at the time and said, look, I'm interested in taking part in this activity. And she gave me the most warmest email ever. And I thought, okay, this is like the group I want to be part of. So I emailed mm-hmm. back saying, when would be the best time for me to come? And then I didn't hear back from her for like two, three weeks. Um, and I thought, oh, that's strange. Did I say something wrong in that email? Which was like the first thing I thought. Um, and then I got an email from the guy I met at Winter Wonderland to say, um, that same weekend, she, um, for unforeseen circumstances, she, she passed away. Um, and it was kind of like a shock to everybody because no one was mm. expecting it. Um, and they had to, like, they had to have some time for grief and um, time to be like regroup, really. Um, mm. But yeah, I ended up going and really enjoying it and really getting heavily involved and skating on the Sunday, which was around London, the streets of London. And that was the first time I'd seen London in a whole new light. And the community were really welcoming. And, you know, I I didn't feel as if I was in a wheelchair. And it's one of those situations where, you know, if the surface was bad, we all suffered. And if it was good, we could all have fun. So I did that for a whole year, skated in France as well, and did a lot of activities. And then at the end of the year, they um, have an AGM, so they have a committee, and I went to join in, and um, they were looking for a new president. And because of my um, involvement and how active I was, they asked me if I would like to take it. Um, 
and I knew I had big shoes to fill from what the previous president had done, but I saw a lot of potential in the group uh, that I accepted, and I've been the president ever since. Yeah, I mean, it, it just makes sense because you've got coattails now uh, from being out there and being known, and they should just grab a hold of your coattails and run with it, and that's what you guys are doing. Yeah. So next I want to talk about British Vogue. And, oh, but, right. Uh, we're, yeah, man, we're going to take a couple second break in case somebody wants to drop an ad. Okay. Earlier this month, and this is the first time I heard about it. And then I started digging into it. Uh, you posted this in part, the craziest part of all of this, uh, this is, this was never a dream of mine as I never wanted to be a model and I completely mocked the fashion industry. I never understood it as what, uh, whenever I thought of fashion was people wearing ridiculous outfits down the catwalk. But the day I was given the opportunity by Victoria to wear adaptive clothing is when I understood why fashion is so important and how I missed the opportunity for the wider community. And I wrote to you because there was a photo you posted of, of yourself. And I wrote, um, you're a dapper dude. And you were a dapper dude, man. I mean, you were very <laughs> spiff in that image. Folks, I hope you find it. So you got to dig it up. But in there, you referenced to your talking part as a model at London Fashion Week. Uh, and Sandy Roberts, you might remember her. She's, yeah. she's done a couple of things with you. Yeah. She was one of my guests, God, last month or so, two months ago, maybe already. Um, so tell us about British Vogue and, and how you came across this and how it made you think. I mean, there's one thing being on London fashion week, but then, uh, British Vogue. So talk about maybe blend it all together. London fashion week and British Vogue. Yeah, like like I said in the um, post, and I've said it multiple times, never dream of mine, never thought it would even happen, um, especially as someone who mocked it. Yeah. <laughs> I hopefully I say I mocked it. I really did. I, I really couldn't understand. But again, it goes back to me joining LinkedIn um, that I got approached by Victoria from Unhidden. Um, so she had okay. an adaptive clothing brand. Um, and she basically said oh you know it would be great to collaborate and do stuff together I said yeah sure again still not really understanding it but I was like okay I'm happy to collaborate if it's you know if it's for the wider message with the disability community I, sh I feel I should really see what it's all about even if I don't like it I should really mm -hmm. take the uh, push and do it um, so she had a pop-up shop uh, at an adaptive um, fashion um store that you okay. know different uh, designers could come and uh it was in like the heart of london central london um and i was gonna just visit um and support her because this was 2021 so at the end of that year um i was just going to go and support and find out more so i was meant to go one week but then i ended up being the week after um, and that was her last day. And I, I went, uh, I, I called her and she said, um, you know, when you come tomorrow, would you like to become a model? And I thought, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll, I'll be a model. So it was in this like little pop-up shop and there was going to be 40 people there. And I had no training of what to do on the catwalk, but, you know, I knew it was about the straight face and just kind of just uh -huh. doing it. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And I, and that's when I got to wear um, adaptive clothing for the first time. And that's when the spark went in my head. And I was like, ah, okay, now I understand. Because they had magnetic buttons for people with cerebral palsy. Oh, um, okay. And zips at the top. And that's when I was like, actually, yeah, now I get it. Because previously to that, my mom would just make the clothes fit me. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't really see the need of adaptive clothing, but that's, yeah, once wearing it, I was like, okay, I get it now. Um, so I, I did that and uh, got, in, got in contact with a couple of other people. And then February, um, I was asked again to do an official catwalk for London Fashion Week. And uh, that's how I kind of got involved in London Fashion Week. And all of a sudden, um, two years later, uh, British Folk um, was a surprise to me. Um, because they used one of the photos of when I did it this February and it got into Vogue and, um, yeah, it's 
a bit surreal. Interesting. Hey, that makes me think of a question for you. I don't know where this is going to go with us, but okay. At, speaking of you know being in, as parts of the disability community, have we turned a corner or are we just entering it? Um, I feel we have come a long way, but we have a long way to go. Um, that's what I've always said here in London. You know, thanks to the uh, London 2012 Games, we really mm. did make a, a a push for accessibility. And, mm. you know, now we have something called the Elizabeth Line, which makes it made such a huge difference for me getting into London and how that's really impacted those with disabilities. Um, but, you know, we still have lifts breaking on a regular basis and we have people still not understanding. So, you know, I think the, the narrative has changed and people are more people are willing to listen, but we have a long way to go with it. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be a struggle. I, I sometimes when I'm talking to people about it, just point to the LGBTQ plus uh, community and say, follow theirs, follow their lead, follow the same map that they did because that's come a long way. So it's just my two cents worth. But I, uh, will, but one thing I do yeah. want to say, and this is one thing I really do struggle with is within our own community, there is a lot of infighting. Um, oh God. Yeah. And that's, I think that's, that's the real problem when we can't all get on the same page. And it's like, we've struggled enough as people with disabilities to a world, which is not um, um, made for us. And then we're still fighting each other. And it's like, why, why is this happening? That's good that you bring that up because people have to, and that's one thing I've been noticing about disability community. Let's talk openly about stuff. And you just bringing that up might get some, might piss off some people, but it might also get some talking yeah. going, some discussion about, yeah, let's mend some fences. If there are fences that need to be mended and, Let's just get behind something together. So Absolutely. I have yet come across that. Wow. Oh, geez. I have some more digging to do. Yeah. It's, it's not, oh. I mean, when, when we work together, it's great. But when yeah. it's the infighting, it's like, what's happening? Like this really shouldn't be happening. And, you know, I'll be honest. Some people think there's a hierarchy when it comes to disability or how long you have you had your disability for means I got better priority. And it's like, Oh God, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I get into all political shit with uh, soccer and parents, and I, I don't want another something like that. I'll, I'll watch out for it. Thank you for the heads up, <laughs> Isaac. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're and, welcome. <laughs> God, what have I gotten into? Oh, well. Um, hey, I read that you're uh, you're now the video editor at Disability Expo. Right. What's, yeah. what's Disability Expo first? Uh, so Disability Expo is a convention that's going to be happening in July. Okay. Yeah. And what are you doing with it? You know, being video editor, giving some, giving some thoughts. Yeah. So I've been creating some videos promoting the different cool. uh, sections that they're going to be doing. Um, and basically advertising the event. Um, but again, that's another one with a lot of infighting. So, um, mm. yeah, it's, it's a bit of a mm. shame because it had, it has a lot of big potential, but um, yeah, it, it's going to be a bit of an interesting one. Hopefully, it'll be great. I'm, I'm hopeful, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, here's something maybe a little bit on the lighter side. I want to talk <laughs> about your lunch with Doctor uh, with Doctor. Is it Allie? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you wrote as we were munching on a beautiful afternoon of from uh, Arabica, uh, fantastic Middle Eastern food. That's the name of the restaurant. Uh, it made me reflect on my life growing up. Never in my life would I have thought I would be comfortable talking about mental health openly to anyone. I was blinded by these feelings as I thought it was my problem and only I can fix it. I looked for external, external sources to fulfill my happiness and I pushed away those who wanted to help me. Then when I was 24, when life was just uh, became too much, I took it upon myself to take a step back and learn about the mind. Very good. That was one step completely changed my life forever where I learned so many things. Honestly, or excuse me, honesty was my biggest learning. Hmm. Interesting. Not just with those around me, but to be honest with myself. That's huge, I'm sure. Yep. 
if I'm not feeling okay, that's okay as hiding from it will not make me feel better. Yes, I am not okay. So how am I now going to feel better? I am already looking forward to the next time where more deep discussion with and laughter is on the menu. Talk <laughs> about that a little bit, will you? You have touched on it, but yeah. maybe a little bit more specifically, man, because you're looking at yourself. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's important. Mental health has been something that, um, yeah, as you, as as you read there, it's twenty four years of my life. Um, thinking that it's only my problem and only I can deal with it. Um, it was something where you know I I was seen as this inspiration and as you mentioned at the beginning, this legend, this person who's really changing the narrative. And, you know, back then I looked at celebrities and people who are successful that they don't show or share when they're down because mm-hmm. looking at that, they only showed the positive things. And I thought, I can't, I can't share negative things. I can't share how I'm actually feeling because that's not how they do it. Um, and then I also thought like, you know, I didn't want to disappoint the people around me. Um, so all these different things, then I had to deal with, um, uh, I thought for true happiness, you need to be in a relationship. So I was striving for that for a long while. And then when I eventually did get into one, I still wasn't happy with myself. So I thought, oh, you know, I finally got what I've wanted. What, why am I still not happy? So, you know, I became quite selfish um, in my actions and, you know, wanting to... Um, I was like, I finally got what I wanted, so I, I'm going to be happy. And I became very selfish. And obviously, being selfish in a relationship, that's not going to work. So mm-hmm. that didn't last too long. And then on top of that, you know, as you mentioned, as being YouTube's top vlogger, um, that was like, you know, I, I thought after now, now I've won this award, I've been on television, my life's going to change now. I'm going to get a million subscribers. I'm going to have loads of people following me and... I'm going to be in a mansion and all that kind of stuff, right? Hmm. Hmm. Um, Living the life, basically. Um, And a couple of months later, that didn't happen. And it really, really demotivated me. Um, I was like, oh, I can't, you know, I put a lot of hours in and I've won this award and why am I not getting this? And it, it was that, the relationship and everything that's coming together um, is when... I got to a breaking point and I was like, you know what? I really need to learn about this. And that's when I took a step back. And the first thing which came to my mind, and I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen the film Lucy? Doesn't come to mind, no. Scarlett Johansson. um, And it's a film, basically, a woman using more than 10% of her brain. Um, And I don't know why this came to my head. And I thought, you know, is that real? Is that fancy? Because... I'd seen the film many years prior to this moment and I was like, is this real or is it fantasy? And I searched up 10% of your brain and that's when I learned from, I found a guy called Bob Proctor and he was talking about uh, law of attraction and I'd never heard of that term before and I was learning about it and that's when I learned, you know, how we think, feel and speak is the reality that we create Um, Mm -hmm. and really learning about that and I kept I, w- I was really fascinated with it and I really took it upon myself to learn a lot about it um and then that's when I learned about um meditation again something I mocked um it's a reoccurring theme I <laughs> I mocked quite a lot of things but because I was like how can you breathe for like two minutes and feel better like that didn't make sense to me um Mm. but actually practicing it myself really made me become more mindful and really within myself um so I learned all of that and I felt on top of the world positive uh for for a whole year I was like this is great um and it got to a point where I was like yep I don't need to do any more of this I don't need to do any more learning don't need to do any more meditations I'm all good now two weeks later back to step one again and I was like you know Mm -hmm. how's this happened um and that's when I learned you know it's a journey rather than an end destination 
And um, that's when I learned the importance of honesty and being real about it. You know, I, I obviously you have a positive mindset, but be real about it. Because um, being real allows you to be um, prepared for negative things to happen um, or positive things to happen, you know. Got to be having a realistic mindset to things. And uh, that's definitely helped change my perspective and outlook on life. Well, that goes along with what I've been learning about you, Isaac, is that I see you as both a learner and enjoying learning and, and a teacher. The things that you write about, you're not ashamed, you're not afraid to say some things, but then there's also a way you get around uh, and, and not, well, when you're sharing, here's something I want to share with you. Yeah. You wrote, uh, you were recently, you were at a Lebanese restaurant and you were in King's Cross. You're having lunch. I don't know if, if this was with Dr. Ali or not, but the good part of this was it made me think of my wife and I were in London back in uh, October and we stayed at the Megara Hotel, which is across from the train station. It has a beautiful murals on the outside of the, the yeah. hotel and people there are fantastic. So if the Megara wants to uh, send me a couple of free nights, maybe Sue and I will come <laughs> there for doing an ad for them. Uh, no, I want to, I'll just open it with what you said. Yeah. said, someone approached you and said, I would love to swap lives oh, with yeah. you for one day. Shit, man. It sounded like you, you wanted to go off on this lady when you were writing on it and you were, you weren't afraid, but you, 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 you stopped yourself a little bit. So tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, uh, and by the way, that was the same day as uh, Dr. Ali. Um, okay, good. So yeah, it was the day that I'd uh, come, I was coming back home. And yeah, um, a guy who I I know I I know him and he's he's great and he's he's one of the train assistants who helps get people on and off the train and gets the ramp mm -hmm. and everything. So yeah, we we'll, you know he was saying you know I I've been following you online since we've been uh, since I met you and um, you do such cool things and uh, and then he said yeah I'd love to swap lives with you and I. I knew he had best intentions um, because I know he's a cool guy and I, I wouldn't have had a go at him for saying that. Um, and I didn't have an opportunity to really speak with him only because, you know, by the time he had said that I was already past the gate and I needed mm. to get back home. Um, but yeah, it, it made me, it made me think, you know, yeah, I, I might be, what you see of me is great and fantastic and I've got all these great opportunities, but what really goes into it is the, you know, like, like I said, for the skiing, it's, yeah, I might've had the foot control going down the mountain, but every day I was in excruciating pain because mm. of the seating wasn't very comfortable or the seven hour flight to get there. You know, th that's a lot of pain you have to go through and the planning of having someone to come with me for 10 days um or in the hotels that are going to be accessible and mm -hmm. my chair is going to be, yeah, hopefully hopefully it's not going to die mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of things that need to be fought out and you know to swap lives with me means you have to go through that too you know it's not just the uh, fun and games part it's uh the whole lot so yeah it was um yeah i, I wrote that to give people a real a realistic point of view and you know a, a, even a post I wrote recently about living my best life. People are like, oh, you're living your best life. It's like, am I really? You know, is that really living my best life? I, I mean, I'm grateful for all the opportunities I'm doing, being in Vogue and skiing and all the great things I'm doing. It's like really grateful. But living my best life would be having a personal assistant to help me every day. Like that's allowed me to be more spontaneous and more independent. You know, I think that would be my best life. But what I'm doing now is, grateful but not my best life well my perspective from you is my readings of what you have to say in, in your posts on linkedin and i have to say that including this interview i feel like i'm up on the mountaintop of the maharashi um so what's some final wisdom that you care to pass on to us maharashi uh, oh um i've come all this way to see you <laughs> <laughs> please fu fulfill me I think, well, there's a lot of life lessons that I've learned, but I think at the end of the day, it's just being honest with yourself and be who you are because no one else can do that. Mm -hmm. 
I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. Comes in, in in a nutshell. All right. So last question for you, dude. Okay. Um, what's next? What's next for you? Uh, to be honest, I ask that every single day. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I really have no clue what is next. Um, cause it, yeah, I, I mean, these opportunities, like I said, of just things I never thought were things I would do or, or see as being possible. So I'm just going with the flow. Um, yeah. and hopefully involves more conversations like this and being able to connect with other awesome people. Cool. Yeah, it, it's it's all in front of you. You have no clue. But go out there every day and see what the hell you get into. Absolutely. So I have to be honest with you, dude. This is where we, I end up um, doing this. And that means that uh, uh, we go into what's called a road trip roundup. It's five questions about you and road trips. Obviously, you're not driving. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but and again, from everything you've been telling me about skiing and jumping out of a freaking plane, Man, it wouldn't surprise me if you had the opportunity and you'd figure it out. So I'm going to just go ahead and ask you the same damn questions I'm asking everybody else, okay? Okay. And if they don't quite fit, then nah, let's figure it out. Yeah. Okay? Sure. When you're out and about, what's your favorite food? Ooh, my favorite food. Um, I, I like a bit of everything, but my favorite food has to be sweet corn. Really? Yeah. Do you take it off? Now, this is something I did with my kids. Because uh, the youngest, they they had a problem with eating sweet corn off the off the cob. Is do you have people take it off the cob for you, and then like cook it up in butter? So, sorry, you, sweet you, corn. You cut out a bit there. Sorry. Oh, okay. We're talking about sweet corn. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you have people take it take the kernels off the cob for you, and then cook it up with some butter? Um. So I can. So. So um, I have a table that my brother fit for me and I can okay. sit myself and eat. So uh, if it's, uh, I can eat a cob myself, um, okay. but when I'm out, I do need someone to hold it. Mm -hmm. Totally understand that. Of course. Yeah. So what, what would be your dream car to be a passenger in being on a road trip? Or have uh, you been in something like that? That's really cool. Um, I wouldn't use this for a road trip, but the coolest car that I've been in, it was like, uh, a McLaren car and I got to, <sighs> yeah. And I got to go around, uh, I got to go around a sports track. See, there you go again. You're making me jealous. <laughs> this guy's nuts. He's either nuts or man, he's, he's balls to the wall. I love it, man. This is great. You're surprising the heck out of me. Honestly. Okay. Yeah. It, and that was kind of like a spontaneous thing that technically I shouldn't have been able to have done, but I did. Um, technically, I shouldn't have been able to, but I did. Yeah. That's you. Okay. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> have that on a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, do you want me to explain that story or... <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, in in France, they do a. It's called Le Mans, um, and it's a racetrack, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and they do a twenty four hour roller skating mm -hmm. event. Um, so in twenty nineteen, we were meant to. I was meant to go, be part of the parade before the skate in my chair, and then see the race happen. Um, people getting involved for twenty four hours. Um, so we did. A road trip, actually. First ever road trip from London to Paris, driving there. Sorry, to Le Mans. Cool. Um, hire car, and there was four of us, and we drove all the way there. And it was that weekend where it was scorching hot everywhere. And on the track, it was like 50 degrees. And the minister of the area was like, nope, you're not going ahead with this because... If someone was to fall on that track, it would, you know, you'd have burn scars and all of that. So, mm. you know, the events not happening. And that he only made that decision once we had arrived, right? So we're like, oh, gosh, we drove all this way and it's not happening. So anyway, we decided, okay, we're still going to skate around um, the area. And we went up to, and I was like, you know, while I'm here, you know, I would love to see the track. Um so they said, okay, well, let's see what we can do. So we went up to one of the guards and we said, look, we've come all this way. Can you come and see the track? <laughs> and they said, you know, we'll let you, we'll let you come through. So got in and it was like all the pits and all that. I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then the guy was like, 
would you like to come in one of our cars and we can drive you around? Oh my. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so to put a helmet on, two guys at the back, two seatbelts, because, you know, the horsepower and everything was going to be a lot. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and yeah, I got to go around in this sports car and, and you know, I had two, I'm glad two people were in the back because they had to hold me up. Like, <laughs> I'm picturing it. I'm picturing it. Um, oh man, you're nuts. Yeah. So I, I did video it, and uh, I'm yet to release it because at the time they were like, "You can't release this. You shouldn't have been able to have done this." But um, so I got it on video. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that I, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that as the last question is your favorite road trip memory. That's got to be it. So you just nailed. <laughs> Uh, question number two and question number five at the same time. Thank you. There's no way you could top that. No, so no, we'll go on yeah. with the last two then. Sure, we'll sure. now be the last two. Sure. Last cassette or CD that played while you were traveling. So maybe while you're on your way to Le Mans. Um, sorry, say the question again. The last cassette or CD that was playing while you're on this trip. Um, I, I played a lot of... Um, I might be cheating. We did it through the Bluetooth on my phone. Um, mm-hmm. And we were playing um, Electro Swing. Oh, I heard a lot of that while we were in Europe last fall. Yeah. And we really came home thinking about where can we find that? And we couldn't find any. That's what the term is. Electro Swing. Okay, yeah. I'll tell you about it. Yeah, cool. it's, it's, a, it it's a genre I never thought I'd really be interested in. But yeah, I was playing that in the car and um, it was new to the other people I was with. So yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so now what's going to be the last question okay. is Coke or Pepsi? Oh, uh, I prefer Coke. Okay. Hmm. Most people do. Yeah. That's what I'm finding. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up our, our show, and but I want us to stay on for just a couple of minutes, and I'll just tell everybody, challenge, relax, and thanks for listening or continue listening to Life's a Road Trip. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Check out previous episodes with new ones dropping each Tuesday. If you don't see a synopsis of this show where you're listening, visit our website at lifesaroadtrip.podbean.com for more information on this week's guest. This is your host, Scott Martin, reminding you that life's a road trip. 